Hello and welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 291 and my conversation with Madison High School in Illinois, band director, adjunct professor of drum set at Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri, and constantly gigging drummer Bernard Long Jr. We'll get to him shortly. But we are in the final week of classes at Mizzou. We have nearly, nearly made it. And there is a lot, and I mean a lot, of grading that is happening and is about to happen, at least on my end. And we just got done with not only hosting the State Solo and Ensemble Festival this past weekend, but with a marathon of concerts with chamber, solo, and band and orchestra all over the place, and choir as well. It was quite crazy. So all of that is going on, and again, so close, so close to being done. So with all that, let's get to this week's guest, Bernard Long Jr. Prior to the start of this conversation, Bernard and I chatted about whether or not we'd met each other. It seems likely. Bernard was the band director for many years at Normandy High School in St. Louis, a school that, during my time at Lincoln University, we both recruited at and played a number of community drumline events there over the years. So I'm certain our paths crossed at least at some point. I also came across Bernard through his work with the PAS Diversity Alliance. So it was time to check in with him on all of these fronts. Bernard's been both teaching and performing for a number of years. He's been doing so in the St. Louis area, along with working in and around Chicago during his undergrad years at Northern Illinois University and in the Detroit area during his years at Michigan State University. In addition to that, he's been a touring drummer with many groups, a gig drummer and a church drummer for a long time. And he has lots of amazing stories of his time teaching and on the road. We get to all of that and a lot more in our conversation. So let's get to it. We recorded this interview over Zoom on April 13th, 2022, and it begins right now. So, Bernard, give me a summation of your percussion and education responsibilities as they are right now. So, um, I'm currently the high school band director at Madison uh, Junior Senior High School. In the morning, I teach junior high band. In the evening, I teach a percussion ensemble class and two band uh, ensembles. Um, at Lindenwood University, I teach jazz drum set lessons. Um, I'm very involved um, at, at Madison School. I went to Madison from K through nine. Um, and then my father was a principal there for 48 years. Mm-hmm. And the elementary school is named after him, Bernard Long Elementary School. Um, so I'm the teacher's union treasurer. I'm the junior senior class rep. What else do I do? I barbecue for the kids. Uh, I'm security sometimes, so I do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I hear, I hear that. That's funny. You work into the bu- you work in the building that has your dad's name on it. His school is down the street. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so that was my middle school um, actually when I went there. Yeah, yeah. But he re- he retired in uh, 2005, and um, he passed in 2006, and mm-hmm. had a heart attack and didn't know it. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Especially like the fifth or sixth graders are like, wait, wait, it's a school. Is that? I'm like, yeah. 
<laughs> and, you, and they'd ask if it's named after you, and you say, "Well, in a way." Right, right, right. In a way, yeah. But but he taught many many uh, generations. He was my mom's sixth grade math teacher. There's okay. 13 years between them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was my principal as well, K through third. His his original school name was uh, Blair Elementary School, and they closed that school. I guess around 2008, 2009, kind of consolidated the district. There used to be five builders in the district. Now there's only two. So my high school, the high school is upstairs and junior high is downstairs. So uh, I was looking Madison's in Belleville? No, Madison is in Madison, Illinois. Okay. It's about 10 minutes, eight minutes from McKinley Bridge, 10 minutes from St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Uh, uh, right next to Granite City. Mm-hmm. How long have you been teaching there? Uh, started in August 2020. Um, yeah, August 2020. So they had music when I was in school there, and then it left in like 2001. I think my sister was in the last class. She played clarinet there. And then they hired somebody in maybe 2015, was there a year. Then somebody else was there for half a semester. So basically, I'm starting a brand new, I started a brand new band program on Zoom um, in August 2020. Uh, had kids pick out instruments and say, hey, you got a sound? We'll work it out on Zoom. Had the drum line come up to the school. We met outside because actually that year, Dr. Uh, Melissa Gustav Hines at uh, O'Fallon did a um, video tribute at the uh, Belleville uh, Movie Drive-In Theater. So I, uh, the drum line learned three cadences, and we were fe- we were featured in that. Um, so I got to meet with those students outside. And so all of those students, uh, my whole drum line is seniors. So they're off in a graduate. They've often been offered college scholarships at Stillman University in mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And so then my 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 uh, woodwinds, uh, I only have five kids that have played before, and then the rest began this past October, uh, 2021. You know, 20, what year? 2021. So we, we just did a Christmas concert. So we're currently preparing for the uh, Annie Malone Parade on May 15th. That'll be their first parade. Are you all doing a, a spring concert too? Um, it's just no time. It's only one of me. Um, somebody wanted to do a spring concert. I was like, it's either the parade or the spring concert. I can't do both. So, um, but I, we do a variety. We do concert band, marching band, and jazz band. Um, we just had Brian Carter in last week uh, to work with our jazz combo. And so, um, it's, just, it's a building process. It is. It's not my first time building a program, but it's it's fun. The kids are enjoying it, and. Um, we got a lot of things happening this summer. We uh, we got a Juneteenth parade, um, and then we've got a um, we're playing for a Shriners parade in August downtown. They're having a convention in St. Louis, so we're the host band or something like that. You know, when you're putting the the year and the time of year together, that means that you you left the job and took a job, right? The pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was that like? <laughs> so. Usually my life is kind of structured, but being a jazz musician, I'm kind of can just fall where the chips may lay. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I started, they started uh, thinking about changing administration at Normandy. And I said, okay, it's time to get out of here, possibly. Um, I saw some things I didn't like. And the day I went for my first interview, uh, the superintendent um, released his, uh, that he was leaving. And he was a huge supporter of our music program. He had been an art teacher at uh, Normandy for 18 years. And he had came out of retirement to um, help the district out. And so I was like, something is going to happen. And so I met uh, the superintendent at Madison in October of 19- 2019. I got an NAAC Education Award. 
And I talked to him and met him there. And I just basically sent him an email saying, Hey, would you like me to start a band program? He said, Let's talk. So that's how that that's how that I had some other offers on the table um in St. Louis, but I wanted to kind of come back home and um give back to my community. Is that all of that just happening over Zoom? <laughs> yeah, everything happened over Zoom. Well, me and the superintendent, we had the final interview in person with him and another board member. Yeah. So if you're restarting a program, what are you walking into? Okay, so there's the zoo, there's the pandemic portion, but right the on campus school, like in terms of facilities, what are you what are you dealing with? I have a smaller room. Um, the room um, it's on top of the gym, and it used to be a uh, partitions. They used to open the partitions, and the band would play from the band room at the basketball games. Mm-hmm. But now that's uh, filled in. So my only complaint is I have to fight <laughs> with basketball noise or uh, dodgeball or, or racquetball sometimes. But other than that, it's cool. Um, I've I've had worse situations. I've never had the golden best band room. Um, every school I've taught at, whether it be Stillman College, Normandy High School, uh, Michigan State, there you have your issues, but you make you make it work. Some people complain. If you don't have a, I say if you don't have a solution, just shut up. If you're not sitting on a on a on a pile of cash that you can pay right, so I can fix <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. I and mean, we have an air conditioner that pumps into the gym. It's kind of always loud. I did some recording last week. I say, hey, I got to get this turned off. I have students go down and tell some kids, be quiet at least for ten minutes. Let me get this take, <laughs> and they, they everybody cooperates. Yeah. <laughs> How are you acquiring instruments, or what are you using to try to get that? So, um, luckily, I walked into a situation um, where they had some instruments. They were about four years old. Um, I got some Jupiter brass instruments, some Bundy woodwind instruments. Mm-hmm. I just had an con- honest conversation with my school board and my superintendent and my principal. Hey, if this is what you want, this is what we need. So, um, this is how much it's going to cost. This is how we can find the funds. I'm, I'm pretty good. With uh, grant writing, um, I, I have a lot of friends that do that kind of stuff, and they've helped me along the way. Um, as a band director in the urban school system, you have to be more than just a band director. You got to be parent. You got to be fundraiser. Um, when I took Normandy um, to the Liberty Bowl in 2015, we raised forty-two thousand dollars in a month and a half. I still don't know how we did it, but we did it. Um, what we actually did there, I did a, a jazz concert uh, called "A Night Under Stars" in the cafeteria. Um, had some friends, Danny Campbell, professional trumpet player, come in and play with the jazz ensemble. Um, the culinary arts students, they cooked, and we invited, like, the entire community came out. And so from that um, led to meetings and meetings and um, sponsorships uh, to our students. And we were the only African-American band at the Liberty Bowl in 2015. We played with uh, Craig Morgan, country um, artist, and we came back with nine first-place trophies and... Our um, my marimba player at the track, Andrew Robertson, he went on Tennessee State. He came back with the first uh, most valuable performer out of fifteen hundred students. Um, so the the jazz band played and the marching band played. Um, at the time, we didn't have working sousaphones. Lindawood University was kind enough to loan us two sousaphones uh, for our trip, and we took twenty five kids. And I always tell people, it's not about quantity; it's about quality. I can take five kids and put out a good sound or, uh, or, and just have fun with it. If you're not having fun and not making music, what are you doing? 
It's not. It's not. I've never been a competition band director where you got to get first. If it happens, it happens. Did you learn something from it? Did you fail? Did you succeed? And I tell my kids, if you play a wrong note, you're not going to die. If you get off step, you're not going to die. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's kind of like the growth mindset versus, you know, like, are we getting better? Then? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just want you to be better. That's all. Right, right, right. Because I remember when I couldn't play. I remember <laughs> when I was the um, senior citizen choir drummer in my church, the third Sunday. I had to sit out and wait for that third Sunday. And now I'm playing for several different churches. And I tell my students, I say, when I was in high school, I played for three different churches at that time. You, did, you, you practice, you get, you get better. And I try to teach students concepts through music that they can just apply to life. And I say, if you don't go on to play another instrument, you'll have it in your back pocket. It's something you can do. It's something you can make money doing. It's something you can pass on to somebody else. And not only that, but you, the students who may not, um, may not continue with it well, we still need the people who are going to attend concerts. Who are going right, to concerts. right. They right, are very, very right. valuable in this too. Yeah, definitely. So how how do you end up working at, you said you were doing, you do stuff for Lindenwood and was there another college that you're? Um, I, I taught at still, I was a band, assistant band director at Stillman College in Tuscaloosa, fall 2012 to, to May 2013, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what, that's what it was. <laughs> Gotcha. That was my first. I went to school with the guy, uh, Professor R- Dr. Remus Webb. Actually, he has a doctorate now. Low brass uh, player at Michigan State, and he got hired at Stillman College as a low brass instructor. And he was he called me and was like, "Hey, they need a um, percussion." He didn't know I did classical percussion and world percussion. And I said, "Yeah, I do that." So um, just got in the car and went down there. We we lived together for a little while. I stayed only I only stayed a year. Um, he stayed there three years, I believe. Um, when I left there, um, the day, yeah, I went on a tour with Limelight for a little while. And then I was at Michigan State visiting um, February 2014 when I got the call for the Normandy Band Directors Gig. I, n- I never really wanted to go into education because my father was in education and I have several uncles in the education. I said, I just want to play. But I started teaching um, when I was like 17 or 18 and I did the um, North Illinois Jazz Camp for 15 years um then i started doing private lessons and i actually started on my education degree at michigan state my last semester i took one, like one class and they were like we're gonna find you some money they didn't find me any money so i came back home and um i was a little upset i loved michigan state it was a good time it was a good time with professor rodney whitaker in the jazz studies department there yeah, yeah. but um so i came back to st louis and um got hired as a long-term sub at uh normandy and so then they were like, you got, we'll give you the temporary authorization certificate. And I got my master's in music ed in a year and a half. And then I went back and got my EDS uh, through Lindywood University. And so the same year I started teaching at Normandy, I started teaching at Lindywood. Doing what at Lindywood? Um, so I'm a jazz set, uh, drum set instructor there. Gotcha. So how, how often are you over there? I teach there on Monday evenings. This, this semester I have four students. The most I've had is eight students. I think that was... Uh, sometime last year when you take the normandy job you were you were just a your experience had been long-term sub in the in the in the classroom setting I, i'm not right why you would take well it. um so in the classroom setting but before then i was a uh, uh, in what was it um i was a, i was subbing at east st louis high school where i graduated from it was an inclusion class mm-hmm. and they had two band directors at the time and they were being 
summons down to the junior high. So I was taking their classes. So that was kind of like my own. That was my first in person. Do what you want to do. Do what you got to do. Uh, experience um, in 2013, uh, going into uh, the uh, into th- 2014. But I just I I take a lot of concepts that I've learned from Professor Ron Carter and Jazz and apply. You can apply it to classical realm, the um, marching band realm as well. Yeah, like what? If you can't sing it, don't play it. <laughs> um, I mean, music is an oral is a um, um, oral and oral uh, art form. Yeah. A lot of people put the um, music before you, but just like me growing up in church, I listened first and then began playing. Um, my father played drums a little bit. I have an uncle that played drums. He marched at Howard University. He's a pharmacist. And so it's just kind of always been around me. I started playing when I was uh, four years old on Pots and Pans. And then my grandmother, who's 95 years old, still alive, she plays piano. She was a church pianist. Then her, her um, I have an uncle and an aunt. They were the church pianists. My mom, she stopped going to piano lessons. She didn't like it that much. <laughs> but uh, so music has always been around me. So whenever I'm working on a piece, marching band concert or jazz band piece or percussion ensemble piece, we listen. We sit down and listen to it first. Without the music, then we uh, li- then we look at the music and play it. And then I take the music away from the kids. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, you don't have to have them. You can use that as a guide. You don't have to be stuck to it. Because when you're stuck to the music, and I've heard when Marcella say this, when you're reading music, it's a different side of the brain working, and you're not always locked in right. to the the actual performance of what's going on. So any any setting I'm in, I'm, I've studied the music enough that I can look away, look over here, and be engaged and not looking at the notes. Because I tell them, I tell them, all my students, I've had so many. I played on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. That was the worst. This. Drum chart. This song is at four four and the music in three four. Use your ear. Use your ear. <laughs> so you always hear that in church. Use your, use your ear, son. And Mr. Yeah. Carter would always say that. Use your ear. So, and trust your ear more than your eyes for right, right. for the majority of, of of music. Yeah, and that's life too. When you when you do uh, start at Normandy full time, what what's the situation that you're walking into? I think there were like sixteen kids. They were they had been through three band directors, and it was like. Um, these kids are rebellious. At one point, uh, Normandy was, was labeled the worst uh, school in the state of Missouri. Um, and kids need kids need love. Kids need relationship. Kids need to know that you care. Yeah. I think I, I think I lost one student, and I gained more. Um, so what I would do is I would recruit the eighth graders to play with us at the Mayday Parade, and that'd be their introduction to the high school. So we just get get them hooked. And so I did that every every year. So we would do the Eddie Malone Parade. Then we'd do the 4th of July Parade. Um, so, I mean, the instruments were pretty good. They Normandy has always had a great band program, and I knew all of the ba- former band directors. Mr. Thomas Moore was my band director when I was in junior high. Mr. Uh, uh, Bob Edwards was one of my uh, instructors. And I, I learned to know Mr. Bulges and um, uh, Mr. Duncan, Hubert Duncan. So um, I knew, and I talked to all of them, like, what did you do? What worked? What didn't work? Um, and just ask questions. And then I had a very supportive uh, fine arts director, uh, Dwayne Foster. He's still there. He's a Normandy alum. Um, he sang and performed on Broadway for 10 years. So he brings all of that to the table. And it was just fun working with him. Um, we would support him in his uh, theater shows. I think the first musical I did there was The Wiz. We, I know we did. Uh, we supported The Wiz. We supported Dreamgirls. But yeah, so we did a lot of collaboration. 
with the jazz. We we had we had world uh, guitar music uh, ensemble class when I was there. Had music appreciation. So you just try to give the kids experiences, some that I've never had and some that I have had. When you talk to the other, uh, the older directors and just trying to get a sense of, of what was needed, what, was there anything that they said that you were like, oh, I had never even thought of that. And then it, it worked immediately. <laughs> um, sometimes some things were, or then I would say, well, I thought about it like this. Oh, I've never thought about that. It's like, yeah, it works. You should try it. I mean, in, in any job is trial and error. Sure. What worked at Normandy might not work at Madison. What worked at Stillman might not work at Michigan State. Um, or when you, worked you, in Normandy in 1998. Well, right. When working in 2014. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So um, it's, it's a lot of trial and error. A lot of trial and error. When you have students who have had multiple directors, it's interesting because, you know, you can you can be around band programs where they've had like it's it's been an institution, basically. Like, uh-huh. you know, the person's been there forever. Ever, like they've taught their parents and, and all that stuff. And then when you have the other side where it's like they come in for a year or half a year, uh-huh. it's, you know, like what you, you knew what you were walking into in terms of just like, you're there all the time. And even just your presence, I would imagine is, was like, you would get students to come around just because you were. definitely Yeah. And it, it's the same way in Madison. Um, and normally I had kids and not even in the band. I just want to go to see Mr. Long, see what he's doing. See if he got some food every day in Madison. Kids come to my room and eat. It's like 40 kids in, in a room, and I don't get a lunch. <laughs> or if, I, if I'm not there, why weren't you here yesterday? Where are you at? Why are you not here? Why you didn't bring me no food or something like that? So I just try to keep the, the learning environment positive and safe because um, kids go, and go deal with so much at home. And it, Mr. Carter did the same thing with, at Lincoln Senior High School. Lincoln was in East St. Louis, Illinois, right smack dab in the middle of the hood, ghetto. You got projects in front of the school, behind the school, and right side of the school. But that was a safe haven for those kids. They knew if they went home, they would see mom, or they see mom getting beat up, or they see a cousin doing drugs. But the band room was a safe haven, and, and it's the same way for me. I don't. When I was at Normandy, I opened the band room on Saturdays and Sundays. I would cook. Um, we would play games. We would play music. We would get music. We would get the job done as well. And that's obviously like it. That's a big toll for you. Personally, I would imagine yeah. to know that you, you have to be on that much. I was there Saturday and Sunday, or I would open yeah. it up. Is like a decision that you, like, if you know that that's what's going to help you be successful. Right. It's like, you could tell that some people are just not going to decide that that's what they're going to do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm willing to work around kids' schedules. People do sports. When I was in school, we didn't have a whole bunch of options. So I was like, focus. I'm going to do music. I mean, I went to one baseball practice, left, went to one football practice, and I went to Eastside at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I tell people before, this is before the pass. It's like, no, everybody's bigger than me. I'm going back to the band room. I'm not going to break my hands to anything. And um, I threw a little shot put in discus uh, just to get the track team for extra points. But, like, this is not my thing. This right. is, I grew up with a basketball goal, yeah. and I ended up being the, the water boy for the basketball team. I, I'd rather go to the games for free, and I ain't got to run no suicides. <laughs> <laughs> and can still do my music. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was on the cheerleading team. One, for one performance, I go to Six Flags with my sister in eighth grade. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, sports, is, it just wasn't my thing. And so now the students at Madison, 
we have a really good track team. We have a really good basketball team. But now they have exposure to music. And I, I told them this year we're gonna do a we're gonna do a play. We're gonna figure it out some kind of way. Um, I play for a lot of different theater companies. I've never directed a show, but I can read. <laughs> so we're gonna figure something out. So that's that's coming up, or that's for next year, or what? That's for next year. I, um, I don't know what we're gonna do. I kind of told them, but I don't want to put it out there yet sure, sure, <laughs> until yeah. we confirm it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good though. You just you because if you tell them, they're gonna come back like. I thought you we were- said, yeah, yeah. You said, when we going to do it? <laughs> you got to deliver, even if it's pizza. Yeah, you right. said, we was having pizza tomorrow. You capping or you lying. <laughs> <laughs> Backing up, when, you're, when you were at Normandy, what, what was the kind of the, the full outlay of your responsibilities? I know the stuff that you were doing to kind of like, like the coming in extra just right. to make sure. But what, what was was actually part of the job responsibilities for you? When I first got hired, they said, hey, we've won Annie Malone Parade the last so many other years. We need to win again. So I was like, oh, no pressure. Okay. <laughs> and so I, 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 I found some videos. I talked to Mr. Moore. Like, what do you, what do you guys usually do? Because I've, I've been to the Annie Malone Parade all my life. Um, either watching it or my father was in the Gateway Carpet um, Association Club. They were always drove in the parade. Um, this was back when it was on King's Highway. So I had some some idea of what I wanted to do. So what my not really my trick, but I always selected a song. Whatever song song I saw, the future song I chose for the parade, we played at the graduation. And we would stop and do a little 16 count, 24 count number um, to it. And so right in front of the judges' stands are uh, different different spots along the way. So um, that's that's kind of what set us out differently from other groups. Um, I made sure everybody got the same uniform on. I made sure everybody got close to the same shoes. If we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get brand new band shoes until maybe uh, 2017, 2018. Um, but we we just made. I made it. I made what do work. And so I created a couple of other uh, classes like percussion ensemble. They didn't have that class. I had jazz combo class. Um, in the music appreciation class, I kind of use those classes for recruiting. I didn't always do the sit down, watch videos. Here's the instrument. Try this out. You like this? Okay, get in the band. That's that's how that's how I use that for. Um, and then at Normandy, I think I was the senior sponsor, maybe one or two years. Um, that that was that was something I did. Um, I, I just helped out any way any way I could. What what, I was, what was the senior sponsor for what? Yeah. So as as a class sponsor, you're over the prom, you're over graduation, you help come up with fundraising ideas. All this week, I've been working on stuff for Madison Prom. Last year, uh, during COVID, we had prom at the high school. They wanted to have a high school, so I transformed the gym to a ballroom. Hired the DJ, the caterer, decorator. I don't have to work as hard this year because it's at a hotel. Um, hmm. But you got to select the, the um, with, in conjunction with the principal, select the speaker for the uh, graduation. Um, I probably printed off 200 programs for the graduation wrong, and we had to reprint them an hour before. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't make the mistake. Somebody else made the mistake, and they apologized because <laughs> I just wanted to do QR code. Like, we don't have to print nothing. It's like, I'm old school. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. So um, so that, that those those responsibilities come a long way. Um, and then, so we're taking the kids to ball, ball baseball game in a couple weeks. We took them to a SIU uh, step show a couple weeks ago. Let's try to give them experience. The more they see, especially in the college setting, 
it'll kind of make them more want to go to college. They they see the fun aspects of it and not just the academic piece. Yeah. Yeah, that's critical. Percussion ensemble, perfect example. Like you you would just never know that that existed if you right. weren't around it. Right. And I didn't know it existed until I went to percussion camp at Eastern Illinois, John Lee Lane's uh, yeah. United States percussion camp. Because I've, I've seen jazz, I've seen uh, orchestras, I've seen concert band, um, seen all of that stuff, but didn't know it existed. I was like, and so um, Mr. Eddie Brown was my percussion instructor at St. Louis Central Visual Performing Arts. And I've only was hip to the concert side. Our first song we learned was My Last Two Dollars. I was like, that can be played on marimba? Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> so I, I um, so Madison, like I said, Madison didn't have music when I was coming up in uh, junior high. So my dad took me to CVPA after school program from mm-hmm. sixth grade to ninth grade. And then I transferred to East St. Louis Senior High School my 10th grade year to be in the band program there. And then we didn't have a band director my junior and senior year there. <laughs> so, so what happened? I, I, I still. Or you you just did it without. We had a sub, um, and I think our senior year, I had me and another friend. She's a doctor now. Um, our parents paid the Illinois music fee for us to go go to state or whatever. Cause we just didn't because the school owed money. I'm like, that ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah, y'all messing with my scholarship. I'm <laughs> trying to go to NIU, and I need to be in here. So so it worked out for us. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not you mine. just got to do what you got to do. You got to make it happen. That's <laughs> well. That's that gets back to the the program issue when you're like, well, it's gonna be everyone's gonna be mad at me even though it's not my mistake. So right, guess. even though it was my mistake. Yeah, it was like it was a it was a yeah. It would have been if we hadn't fixed it, it would have been a disgruntled parent. Yeah, and like the the student's GPA was off by like a couple of points. Oh yeah, I mean they would have flipped tables. Right. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that I, I'm reading and looking you up is that you are part of the uh, Diversity Alliance for PAS. Yes. So tell me about your um, – and you're a point person, it looks like, as well. Yeah, I am a point person. So um, recently we've been um, highlighting African-American and Latino ex um, percussionists and composers. As you as, – if you've seen PASIC, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know about – I knew about PASIC in, in college, but I could never go – because it was be the same weekend that we would have jazz ensemble tour. Mm. And so I didn't start going to PASIC until 2017. That was my first PASIC. Mm. Um, funny story. I was, it was a Saturday night. I was at home. I'm, like, I'm not going out. I ended up going to the Sheldon and mm. Patrice Russell, Russell was playing. And I saw these symbols. I was like, that's in Dugu Chancellor set up. I was like, he's not in town without telling me. I first met in Dugu when I was in the seventh grade. He picked my first percussion. He picked my first professional drum set out. Wow. Uh, the set of kungas I got, he picked them out for me. My uh, timbales I got, um, picked them out for me. I'm like, he's not in town. So my sister went to the concert with me, and I went backstage, and I said, hey, Dugu, he's at Bernard. I said, what are you doing here? So he's like, you going to pace it? I was like, uh, I don't think so. You need to go to pace it. So pace it happened in four days. And so I hustled up some money, and... Um, I went to PASIC. So that's that's kind of how I got put on the education committee, um, kind of how I got my symbol endorsement with uh, Zildjian. He introduced me to a lot of different people. And I'm so glad that I went. Um, soon after that is when he passed. Um, mm. But but he was a great mentor to me and my sister um, and just off in the United States percussion camp. And I hadn't seen him in about 
four years because he came. He used to do a, a workshop in Belleville, and I took some took two uh, two times took some minority students uh, to see him. So yeah, that's how I got that's how I got to pay stick. But um, just being being able to be on the judging committee, being able to see how the ins and outs of PASIC is a uh, is very important. Very important to see how people are selected, see how scholarships are um, handed out. Um, that's it. so I hope to continue to move up in um, executive uh, committees through through PASIC. In your position with the diversity committee, what's kind of the the current charge uh, that you're all. Um, so my current charge is to just get uh, more African Americans to share with our with more students um, as well to say, hey, there's this professional thing, this professional group out there, and we beat on stuff and <laughs> we make music doing it, uh, we make money doing it. Um, there's opportunities for you. A lot of um, I think with with the help of the PAS Diversity Committee. A lot of the HBCU students are now finding out what drum corps is. I knew what drum corps was in, in in high school, but I went to a couple rehearsals. We was working with a guy in St. Louis. He just couldn't get it uh, off the ground, so I didn't dabble, dabble too much in it. Um, but that has led to more opportunities. That has led to more um, students uh, just getting endorsements. Also, playing on better equipment. Alerting the industry right. to this, to this um, massively important style that had not been recognized in the, in the ways it should have been for right. decades. For years, decades, decades, and, decades. And, and realizing that not only, I mean, that you could look at it selfishly and think, well, there's a, there's a, a group, uh, here's a, a, a whole population that hasn't, that we can like sell our things to. I mean, I could look at it that right. way. But also just to understand that if you need to respect this this style uh-huh. or the end and realize that there, there's a lot to be gained. Definitely. Everywhere. Definitely. I mean, HBCU drumline drumming didn't just happen. Professor right, John exactly. has been doing it. it Professor it Marvin Sparks has been doing it. Right, right. <laughs> He's been yeah. there for years. Yeah. <laughs> like A&T has been doing that, sh- that exact kind of show for like, for decades, literally. Yeah, like, yeah. And then, like, right. it, it show up and it blows everyone's mind. And right, it's like, yeah, I we know, like, yeah, that's, this is what they do. <laughs> I got VHS tapes of it, not yeah. b- before YouTube. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the other, the other side of this is just that I, I think because you said like you know having HBCU students see the the drum corps world and like you know see that like either the possibilities are there, but I think more importantly. Drum corps world, seeing that, yeah, seeing yeah, show style, <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly, and it, and it, I can go either way with my band, show yeah, yeah. style or mm-hmm. core style, um, and yeah. Normandy has always been that that kind of program, yeah, where it can go either way, um, yeah. and it just makes you more marketable as an educator. You can teach show style drumline or yeah. or drum corps uh, style drumline. The goals are the same for the yeah, the- goals are the same. It's the same notes. It's the same double stroke roll. It's the right. same paradiddle. You, you, we 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 want the same kind of hand technique. Like, right, right, exactly. Just yeah. that I, you have to do it with a you do it with with straps and and you right. have to to keep the drum from not sliding off. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which is an art form in itself. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Ohio State could do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was always impressed with with the. Um, with the snare line when, when I was working with them at least uh-huh. just because I was, cause I mean, I would tell them, I'm like, I would ask for the same exact thing if you were wearing a harness. 
Right. But you got to right. do it. You got to do everything there. And. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I can show you a picture um, when the Metrolink came out. Um, uh-huh. When it started coming to the east side or whatever. Yeah. In 2002 or one, mm-hmm. I'm on the ground in the newspaper doing a move. No leg, no brace harness, leg bleeding, <laughs> brand, brand new pearl snare. I don't care. We in the we in the newspaper. We finna play. <laughs> I'm gonna make it work, and I was a sex leader, so I had to make it work. Yeah, <laughs> we, we you, you don't see the after pictures where it's just like a giant bandage is like right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. The six weeks of bruises that won't heal because you know. Yeah, I'm, students nowadays are a little a little softer. A little, <laughs> Mr. Long, my hand hurt. I said, listen, <laughs> Friday night. 2001, cold is all out. I thought my finger was broke. My middle finger was like extended. It wouldn't pop back in. And it was just, it was just stuck. And I'm like, but we got, I got to play. I have to play. I couldn't go band director Brown. My finger is broke. <laughs> you got to play through it. I've, I've, I've seen people bleed on the bandstand. And I tell, I, I do tell my kids, at the end of the day, it is sometimes it is a life to do, life or death situation. Yeah. So so play the music right is the best of your ability. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Rodney Whitaker tells me a story when he was playing with uh, Freddie Hubbard. Yeah. And he blew his chops out, but he didn't stop. He just just blood through the horn, blood on the stage, and <laughs> everything. <laughs> life or death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're, I just imagine you're just you're just thinking the hand. Like right, <laughs> that's, not the, that's that's it. Everything else is fine. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I remember um, my roommate. He's a professional trumpet player. He um, plays with the Isaac Brothers. We were on tour with somebody in college, and he had a terrible case of hemorrhoids. Mm. And Mr. Carter didn't care. He's like, "We got a gig, son. We got a gig." And he was lead trumpet, and like he was hurting. <laughs> there wasn't no sub. <laughs> It wasn't no sub. <laughs> He's like, man, he bogus. That's he mean. Hey, son, <laughs> welcome. I hired you for a job. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> um, I, I have tendonitis on my left shoulder, and it was some. It was sometimes it get bad. It doesn't get really flat until it gets cold. But mm-hmm. I can't. I can't tell this man that um, <laughs> I got tendonitis. He don't care. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <sighs> Uh, all right. But no, I, I, and I tell my kids, when you come to the band room, whatever problems you have, leave them at the door. This is a safe space. We can talk about it, but let's do let's do our job and let's have fun doing it. And then pick that back up because a, a lot of kids, even at Normandy, even at Madison, a lot of kids come to school because of my class. They yep. and like I can't, I didn't skip today because I wanted to come to your class. I knew it was gonna be fun, or I knew we had these performers, or I knew somebody was coming in. So that's that's a that's a good thing to have because yeah. if I didn't teach music, I'd probably teach English or computers. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good. With, I was an English minor, um, but you got to make it fun. I just some, some I I can teach math every day. I just don't see it. <laughs> it's like a good problem to have. But it's it's yeah. a lot of pressure. Right, right, right. To, it is for to keep to keep everything up. It's like if if the students are coming and knowing that that they know that they're coming for you. And they'll do the other stuff so they could come to you. Right. It's like the pressure's on you to, to, to like step your game up. Basically. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I not look at it as a, I've always come to teaching from a performance side, you know, the end result 
is a performance. Right. Some people just teach to teach. I'm like, and like all my best, all my best teachers were great performers. They they played for the kids. I've some people. I don't ever play for my kids. What do you mean you don't play for your kids? Like how are, how are they gonna trust you and you know what you're doing? It's like going to the doctor, but you've never seen the doctor do doctor. Right. Like, are you gonna go to that doctor? No. <laughs> I'm gonna go to somebody that I know can play. Yeah. I'm gonna go to. I, I made all those decisions on my grad school degree, on my um, on my undergrad degree. Am I gonna come out as a better musician? Am I gonna come out? Can these people that are there can they play? Not only can they teach, because I had great teachers as well. Mm-hmm. But all of my teachers, they still perform. Dr. Gregory Byer at NIU, mm-hmm. Professor Ron Carter, Professor Rodney Whitaker. Um, my very first class at Michigan State was on a Friday. He called me and was like, hey, what you doing? Uh, nothing. Uh, I need you to play for this audition. And paid me $50. I said, I was in there 15 minutes. I said, this is what it is? Like, this is what it is. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> at, Michigan, at Michigan State, I, I had class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. Um, so Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I subbed um, during the day. And then Wednesday evenings, I taught in Detroit, inner city youth. And um, Monday nights, the grad students led um, the jazz jam session. So it was, it was, Michigan State was a breeze compared to NIU. Um, Michigan and Northern, everything started on time. At Michigan State, if he say bus leaving at two, we not leaving to four. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, and the very first gig, I was there on time and, they like, oh, this is normal. You, you early. You, I'm like, what? <laughs> I, um, I never forget. I was coming back from a uh, Christmas break, and yeah. Professor Whitaker called me to do a gig up north with him. Yeah. And the day before, it's like, I don't need you. I'm gonna use somebody else. He's like, I'm gonna need you. So I drove the the 12 hour trek from St. Louis to to um, Detroit to Michigan, and I said, I'm packed. I'm ready. Uh, yeah, just come, just come have a drink. What do you? You said we were leaving. Yeah, we didn't leave until like ten o'clock that night. I was like, "This is scary, man," because you want to be you so told to be punctual, and then stuff like this happens. But yeah, oh my goodness, nothing happened on time. I don't know if it's still the same. Nothing happened on time. And then if you show up late, why are you late? Right, but this is the norm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was a good time there. Uh, that's that's awesome so you you had kind of alluded to some of this uh you know that you grew up kind of in this area i i know that you said that you had a lot of family members who were who did church who were kind of like church pianists it sounds uh-huh. like was the primary thing were you also did you do piano as well that time yeah i started i started taking piano lessons at six and i did it i stopped taking lessons around 14. The drums just kind of out, outweighed the um, um, piano. Mm-hmm. But I took piano lessons on Tuesday evenings with a man named Mr. Orange. And he's a local gospel musician in the town. But he also has a degree from SIU in music. But he teaches math in my school district, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think he's ever my, my math teacher. But um, he taught me and my sister uh, piano. Um, so I did that all those years. And now I teach piano lessons um, to beginner and interme- intermediate students. Yeah. So yeah, so but but I tell everybody to learn some kind of piano. If you're going to write music, it's the foundation. If you're going to teach it, it's the foundation. And so even with my horn players, we we get to the marimba or piano to just go over the basics. Like when you're playing this note, this is how it is. This is what's going on. Or a vocalist as well. I tell them to just be able to pluck out the melody, play the basic chords or whatever. Yeah. 
down. Those are those are real skills. Yeah, yeah. That I wish somebody told me before piano one on one in college. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what was um, the years that you were taking piano? What was the content? Were you doing? Was it so? It was. It was mostly classical book. Yeah, Afro, the Afro book. Yeah, yeah. Afro book. And then um, we always always had hymnals around, so mm-hmm. I would play different things like that. Yeah. Like I have an AME hymnal on my um, piano right now. Then I got the Baptist hymnal in the book. A lot of people don't do that anymore, but that's great music. That's great four part writing. In, in, in a church anymore, they more it's more contemporary. Depending on what church you're at, yeah, sure. But I, I love hymnals. I, I love hymnals. It's not only great for for the piano part, but it's great for the if you can sing like more, right. like you learn harmony through. Yeah, life. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. At what point does the do you, does the percussion officially kind of begin that, or was it so? Said you're playing pots and pans, but where, when were so, you the drum set portion and the other stuff? So um, I got my first drum set. Uh, well, my first drum was a listener drum from uh, Old Woodworths, where the Cranesburg Center is now. St. Louis used to be Woodworths right there. Yeah, yeah. My grandmother picked it up for me, and I no longer have that drum. We sold it in a garage sale a long, long time ago. Then I got a black uh, drum set. I think it was a Little Thunder. And sold that drum set. Hate I got rid of that. So I started playing drums in church when I was six. Mm. Um, did my first gig on Christmas Eve in whatever year that was. In the 92, 93, something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, played a Little Drummer Boy to a recording. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that's my dad. I had a lot of gigs with just drums and recordings. Because <laughs> that's, that's how I practice. So I used to do uh, fashion shows like that. I would play at um, church banquets, yeah. uh, wedding receptions. And so that that was I started doing that, um, playing at church when I was six. I did my first professional gig at age 11 uh, at the Holiday Inn downtown St. Louis. It was in a suite. It was with um, my kind of a cousin named Vera Bolden. She was um, Professor Ron Carter's assistant at Lincoln. And she was a choir teacher in the district. So they have a band called Images Infinity, like after hours band for the students. Um, so after I did my first gig, it was me, Leron Stover, who's the bass player in my band now, Ravanthony Wiggins, um, Vera Bolden, um, and Ron Carter. So that was that's kind of how I took off from there. Then my dad always took me to the old Jazz B show that was called Just Jazz at the um, Majestic Hotel. So when guests would come there and play, they would come to his school on Fridays and do clinics for his students. Yeah. And then they would either come to our house and eat or my mom would cook dinner for them, bring it to them. So I just I met John Clayton, uh, John Clayton, Jeff Clayton, um, played with them when I was 10 years old. Um, Houston person met Michael Carvin in 1993, got my first drum lesson with him. Um, the list goes on. Cyrus Chestnut, Billy Higgins, um, Wynn Marcellus. Um, so that's kind of, and my dad has always took me to jazz clubs. I take my little sticks. If I get to play, I play. If I don't get to play, cool. But they knew I was serious about it, the music, um, just listening. And so I first met Wynn Marcellus when I was 12 at a Power Symphony Hall. And that's like a big brother mentor to me. We talk all the time. Um, when he comes to St. Louis, um, so at, skipping around a little bit, back in 2014 in Normandy, they redid Jazz St. Louis. And they asked, could I get my students ready to um, play? I said, uh, yeah, I ain't going to turn on that. So we made it happen. They sent us three charts, and we had a, did a two-hour side-by-side um, concert with Jazz Lincoln Center. 
Um, this was in maybe this wasn't 2014. This might have been maybe 2016, uh, whatever. Um, but um, he came in, did a workshop with the kids, and the he came in a day early, and we just talked. He was like, "I know Normandy's labeled the worst school in Missouri." He said, "It's not. It's definitely not." Like Mike Brown went to our school. The media showed one story. They didn't see him singing in the plays. They didn't see him singing in choir. They didn't see him on the football field. He graduated that year. That he graduated a couple of weeks before that tragedy happened. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So me and I always tell my students, find somebody that does what you do on a high high level, and ask them what did you do? How did you do this? They'll tell you. You don't even have to pay them. Most of the time, you don't. Hey, do this. Don't do that. And so I try to be this, the same light, a beacon of light to students, um, as well. Like somebody asking how to be an engineer. Don't know how to do it. I got some friends that do it. Here's a number. Here's an email. Call them and find out. Yeah. Yeah. More, they're more than happy to be mentors. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So my current principal, Mr. Gardner, uh, my dad was his mentor, and now he's mentoring me to move into uh, administration eventually. And you're making all these connect- – like the thing, the other thing that you're – I'm sure you're telling your students is like like these people that I've I'm, that I'm naming – are all people I've known forever because yeah we were I was like I met him early and we kept in touch and we all wanted the, the kind of the same thing and same, the same thing yeah you know yeah yeah this whole time when you're doing all this performing you had mentioned very briefly uh, sports did you play did you play any sports kind of as to fill out your time I think I was in Boy Scout for a little bit and I well my, I think my very first sport was swimming. Oh, we used to live by the YMCA, so I learned how to swim at a very young age. Because um, my dad didn't know how to swim, my mom, my mom they didn't know how to swim, so they wanted to make sure me and my sister knew how to swim. So me and my cousin, uh, we went all the time, and he has uncles that swam like almost semi professionally. He had an uncle; he was swimming 150 laps a week. Uh, so I'm like, I ain't doing all that. <laughs> so I did that. Um, I like I said, I went to one football practice at Eastside and yeah. went back to the band room. <laughs> Basketball, I was like, I can shoot a little bit. Nah, all this running, it ain't for me. So I didn't do that. Um, cheerleading, I think I held up one girl one time to go to Six Flags and got a jacket with my name on it. <laughs> I think I maybe did five track meets, just throwing a shot, put this. Yeah. Oh, you can give us extra points. Yeah. Like, okay, it's something else to do. Just trying, trying different things, but music has always been like my thing, my go-to thing. I started going to summer camps, um, Eastern Illinois percussion camp, Eastern Illinois jazz camp. Mm-hmm. SIU Jazz Camp, Webster Groves uh, Jazz Camp. That's, that's what my summer is mostly compiled of, uh, music camps and uh, music. And I kind of resented music when I was in seventh grade. A lot of friends having parties and doing this and doing that. I want to go to the party. So sometimes it be an argument between my mom and dad. Let him go to the party. No, he got to do this gig. He got to do this. And I st- at one, I, one point I stopped practicing. I'm like, I don't want to do this. But I'm glad I stuck, stuck with it. <laughs> yeah, glad my dad. He didn't force me. He wasn't the Joe Jackson uh, man or anything sure. like that. That's good. But, it's like, but he would seek out, he would seek out, seek out opportunities for me. Um, some Sundays I would have two, three gigs after church. Hmm. Um, playing here, playing there. Yeah. And I appreciate, I appreciate him for that. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, looking back, yes, you're you're probably like I'm glad that he, you know, set these opportunities up. I'm sure in the moment though, you're probably like, I, right, <laughs> I want to hang out with my friends though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and most of my friends they understood, and a lot of those people they they're still around, they still support me too. Yeah. So how is it that you end up going to uh, Northern Illinois? 
I started working with Professor Ron Carter when I was six years old. I um, used to go down to their jazz band rehearsals and just hang out. And he let me play tambourine here there. He let me play a kunga here there. So um, he has another son that was my age, and he played drums, Jeremy. Um, he's passed on now. But um, he played drums. So we were just always running around the band room. And my dad had a really good connection with him because their band would come to Madison and play all the time, the jazz band or the marching band. And then the drum line practiced a block away from my grandmother's house in East St. Louis. So I would always hear them and I would go over to see them. Earl Allen uh, was their drum line instructor. He's still around. Um, and like I said, Vera Bolden, <coughs> uh, my cousin, she was the introduction of me and Mr. Carter. So I used to go to their summer camp. They had a big summer uh, concert band camp, jazz band camp. So that was my introduction to him around age six. It just kind of stuck. Um, I would I would see him here, see him there, going to Lincoln concerts. They used to do a big Mother's Day concert. Mm. And he um, he left St. Louis in 96, I think, 94 or 96. And so on the last concert, this was when Charles Haynes was in the band. This would have been 94. Charles Haynes, um, Mr. Carter usually has two or three drummers in bands. He always says that to give the band a different feel. Each drummer plays different. So that year, 94, Charles Haynes, Willie C. Smith, and Francisco Brock was in the band. Francisco is a pastor now. Willie C. is a band over in Texas. And Charles Haynes is still playing for Lady Gaga and Marcus Miller and Keon Hurl, producing for everybody. So just seeing that, like, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of caliber drummer I want to be. You have Terrion Gully that came from Lincoln. Mm. Uh, Russell Gunn, trumpet player, uh, that came from Lincoln. And Terrion could play. Um, but Mr. Carter made him sit in the hallway with a ride cymbal for a year. He's like, you can't play jazz. So you sit out here with this ride cymbal. And just seeing that, that motivated me. Um, and then I, Mr. Carter made me do it my sophomore year of college. You just play this ride cymbal all summer. You'd be in my band next year. And so I, I had a ride cymbal set up in my music room, everywhere but the bathroom. I was just tipping on it, just just playing with it. Um and so, um, that, so that, that's my relationship with Mr. Carter. And then um, in college, I, I applied to Jackson State, Howard University, uh, Northern, maybe SIU. I knew I didn't want to go to SIU because my whole fa- entire family went there. My sister, yeah. mom, uncles. Like, I want to get away. Um, so I which, really wanted to go to which SIU? Southern Illinois, Edwardsville. Edwardsville, okay. SIU, Edwardsville, yeah. So I knew I wanted to go to NIU. I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. Um, I didn't have the right ACT score, but um, I, I was first accepted by the bridge program. Then I was accepted by music program. Then they reversed that, and um, the general university accepted me. So um, the day I started at NIU, Jackson State sent me a full ride scholarship. I'm like, school has started. <laughs> what are y'all doing? School? Because at the time, the band I went to Jackson State, I think Aunt was the choir director at Eastside uh, at my school. So he kind of knew about me. And this is before Zoom and all that. You had to go there and all that stuff. Um, so that's how I got to NIU. And then um, did the audition. Um, I think I played a Bach Chorale on Marimba. I played Tornado um, and demonstrated all the jazz drums and stuff and then uh, Kunga stuff. And I played a little piano too, I think. And so they were like, well, you have potential. And um, so that's how I got in in 2003. Um, didn't have a full ride scholarship, but as I stayed, ended up getting um, more more tuition waivers, and um, I was a recipient of the Crusader for, Crusaders for Jazz, was an organization in St. Louis that um, Richard 
Richard uh, Roscoe uh, Crenshaw. He's still around as a photographer. Um, it's like he's like St. Louis Jazz Statesman. They created this organization, and my dad was on the board. So um, the first recipients were uh, scholarship recipients was Keon Harold and Kim Thompson, who used to play for Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I was like the third year recipient of that uh, scholarship. So um, that's how I got to NIU. And I, at the time, I knew Mr. Carter was there. I didn't know much about the percussion department. They didn't even have a jazz drum set teacher when I got there. Mm. And so I was studying with Robert Chapel. And mm. then um, soon after that, Professor Rodrigo Villanueva came and um, started studying with him. Um, at that time, Orlando Cotto was there my first two years as well. Um, then he left and went back to Baltimore. And that's when uh, Professor Greg Byer came. I had a great, great experience with the steel pan drums. Mm-hmm. I, did, I played a little bit. I played a little drum set in there, but they met at the same time the jazz ensemble met, so it didn't work out. Excuse me. Was was uh, Liam Teague there yet or not? Yeah, yeah, he was there, yeah. yeah. He was maybe going into his fifth or sixth year when I got there. Um, yeah, because, you know, he went there as a student, and then he got hired on, um, and he's still there as well. But my practice room was next door to Cliff Alexis' office. Awesome. Um so that was that was my man. I I, I miss Cliff. Um, we talked about life. We talked about NIU. <laughs> we talked about everything. Um, yeah, that was that was that was my guy. So it was just a great experience at uh, NIU. It took me a little longer, six years. I couldn't pass music theory. Then they came along with this policy: you pass our skills, you can't go on in this. I'm like, Ugh. and then in my sophomore year, I really wanted to give up. I called home. I was crying. Um, Called Professor Marvin Sparks and like I'm coming home. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, you're gonna stick it out because my my back then my weakest instrument was marimba, mm-hmm. um, and Professor Chapel let me bring a marimba home and I got with it and it just and I, I now I love the marimba, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So but I I used to be mad that they make all the jazz people play the classical stuff, but they don't make the classical people play the jazz stuff. I'm like, come on, man. So I think the policy has changed now that Professor Reggie Thomas is there, that uh, jazz drummers just do a jazz track and not the classical track. But I'm glad I did both. It has opened up uh, my world to to play uh, when different opportunities come uh, come available. I'm, uh, I'm able to do it. I'm glad you mentioned the thing about the, you know, the, the, the sophomore year and, and just being like, is this what I want to do? Right. You know, it's it, how important it is that like, I mean, Marvin's awesome. Oh yeah. You know him through the camp. So I know him through uh United States percussion camp. Also, he was a teacher at UMSL right. and professor Sparks was my second uh, professional drum set teacher, drum teacher. Um, so like I, I took, I didn't start taking drum lessons until I was 13 Mm. Um and my first teacher was a guy named, by the name of Jamil Williams. He's a producer and performer here in St. Louis. He moved to Texas a while ago, and then I studied with Poncho Williams, was a great drummer in St. Louis, and now he's in Texas and band director. And I studied with Marvin Sparks. Those are my first three uh, drum teachers here in St. Louis. And then Marvin Sparks left and moved to Texas. Like everybody's going to Texas, <laughs> but Marvin Sparks was Terry on Gully's uh, teacher as well at mm. the University of Houston. Okay, yeah. Awesome. So that so that that's how I knew him. Um, yeah. I don't remember how long he was at Umsa, but you know, um, Doctor uh, Burkhead was here at yeah. Umsa. Mm-hmm. Umsa went through a lot of professors, a lot of percussion professors before uh, Matt Henry. Yeah, yeah. So all those guys, um, I just, I met them and studied with them some, yeah. uh, kind of via through the camp, but j- private lessons as well. What was it like being that part of the state? It was cool. Um, 
I, I had a godfather in, in Chicago, so I would go to Chicago all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, it was different being in the cornfield. <laughs> uh, just, I mean, it made you focus. Like you got nothing else to do but practice. Um, and it was a it was a competitive environment, but yet challenging. Um, a lot, I had a lot of friends that came up from St. Louis. Quentin Coates, I'm a trumpet player uh, from St. Louis. Um, Anthony Wiggins was the first. Um, was he might have been the first black jazz study student at uh, NIU? This is before Professor Ron Carter. This is when Ron Modell was over uh, the program. So they started when Professor Carter went there. They started recruiting a lot of students from the Midwest, the Southern Illinois area. So um, had some friends that come up, but just meeting and playing with people, we challenged each other. Yeah. Um, not only on the bandstand, but in class in academics. We stayed up late. Um, some days we would eat at midnight because we were been practicing so hard or, or studying for this test or for that test. And it was, a, it was a good challenge because every Sunday I would go to Chicago and play um, a jam session. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah Spencer ran a jam session at uh, Von Freeman's, and Von Freeman did as well. So it was a challenge to do you go to the jam session, do you do your work? So I just got both, I got both things done, and it, it came out on top. You get gigs from it. You meet mu- musicians from Chicago. Yep. Um, from Wisconsin, from Indiana, because it's all, so, all so, uh, so kind of close. Right. So yeah, it, it was good. There were no no complaints. I just wish it didn't take me six years, but you can't rush guys' timing. <laughs> yeah, this is always the thing I think with anytime someone go, particularly someone who just doesn't completely know what the college experience is, and I think that is that sometimes it takes a couple years for yeah people, or a couple schools. For people right, to figure right. it out. And that's, right, that's right. okay. When I was teaching at Lincoln, we had a lot of students who took longer than took like the six years. And it just uh-huh. sometimes it was year three when it was like, okay, I like, you know, they had, had like maybe the academic difficulty. And it's like, okay, I actually really want to be here now. And I'm going to focus. Right. Like, right. Okay. Right, well, yeah. now, you, now you know. <laughs> right. Is that because I, I see some of the people that went through it four years and they're not even doing anything with music. I can. Right. All the hell we went through in music theory and art skills, and you're not doing music, nothing with it, no kind of way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Did you find um, churches to play for there too? Actually, um, I played at Professor Carter's church, uh, uh, New Hope, New Hope Baptist Church. The minister of the church, he was the director of the Chance program. That was the original bridge program that I got into. Yeah, if any, I mean, and I still to this day. Uh, went in college, um, got to go to church. That was like my refresher for the week or my reset button. Mm-hmm. So um, oftentimes we'd go play at church, then go have dinner with Professor Carter and his family or uh, something like that. Um, so a lot of the musicians um, played there. Um, there were some guys from Chicago. But, um, yeah, like if you played in Mr. Carter's band, it was a thing you had to go to church. <laughs> there, there was several different churches in, in the community, but – a lot of us just played it, ended up playing at New Hope uh, Missionary Baptist Church. Were you doing all of the, um, the like the percussion ensemble and all the other stuff? Yeah, so I was, um, I was in percussion ensemble every year. My first year, I was in university jazz band. I was in jazz combo. My schedule was ridiculous. Uh, jazz combo, percussion ensemble, concert band, then all your classes, and then maybe two or three core classes. The most credits I took at a certain time was 23 um, at, w- at one point. And I was like, what are you doing? 
And I think that was a semester that I pledged my fraternity, Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Oh, well, that, and that, of course, <laughs> that's no time at all. That's fine. No, no they didn't know. <laughs> and, I had to, and I had to keep it on hush. Right, of because, course. Because, you know, Mr. Carter is our Omega. Oh, and, oh boy. That's yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah. And the, their very first night was my very first jazz ensemble concert. We had, we had, a, we had a tour. I was like, okay, how am I going to break it to him? This might come out in the tape now, sure, but yeah. I I told him I had, was getting an award. Can I drive to the gig? And so he's like, "Yeah, okay." So I drove my car behind the bus. Mm-hmm. As soon as the gig was over, I got out of there and got back to the university. So if he sees this, he'll now know <laughs> that I didn't get an award. That <laughs> <night>. <laughs> Woo, 2005. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> So I was in the NIU Jazz Ensemble from fall 2005 to uh, May 2009. And the thing with Mr. Carter, all the ensembles at NIU, they're open to everybody. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was a law student that could really play. And I was like, I'm not losing out to this guy. <laughs> and so I was like, just practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys before me were uh, Phil Bill. He's in Chicago. He plays for the uh, Chicago Bears drum line. E.I.G. Hampton, who's in... Um, LA. His father is um, with Jennifer Lopez and um, Luther Vandross drummer. So that, that was, that's the kind of caliber people I was up against. Wow. <laughs> Glad to see them graduate. Yeah. <laughs> but those, are my, those are my friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then when my time in the band, it was me and Lucas Gillian. Um, he's a, a place for Blue Man Group in Chicago and teaches. And then uh, Juan from Peru. Mm. Uh, he just moved back here from Peru. He's in Chicago. So we, we, uh, all those years we held, held the drum chair down together. I wasn't sure where I thought you were going with the story about the, um, the pledging was, I didn't know if you were going to show up one day with like in a jacket and just, and just say nothing. <laughs> it just, well, what? How I'd be like, I? what do you mean? What? <laughs> Something like I don't even remember how I revealed it to him. Um, and it just kind of happened. Just it showed up. Yeah. yeah. Like, Oh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you probably you're sitting there like i have to like i had this we just have to get past this moment right <laughs> right <laughs> but i made it a goal like it was eight people on my line and i yeah. still to this day i had the highest gpa i'm like mr carter's not taking my scholarship i'm not losing because i'm doing this i'm not, i'm here this is the ultimate goal i'm here for this <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah True, true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's great. Do you go right to Michigan State after that? So after that, um, my first, I think November of 2008, I was graduating in May 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Carter was on sabbatical that year, actually dealing with some um, uh, part, some, some family things. Mm-hmm. And so I was told three times, you're not going to graduate. I said, what do you mean? And so... It was, I had, I had been there so long. I had, I think I had 23 credit hours of private lessons, Mm -hmm. but since I didn't study with a jazz person the last semester, Mm -hmm. they were in charge and they said I wasn't going to graduate. Mr. Carter came to town and there was a meeting um, and I was in a computer lab working on a final project and all these students came down the hall. Oh, you just missed it. You just missed it. They was arguing. He got cursed out all the way. You can edit it. He got cursed out all the way all down the hall. I was like, what? And so um, the next day I was on a, doing a clinic with Mr. Carter. He's like, yeah, he, 
Yeah, I was upset. I had been that mad since I was a little kid. You've been here long enough. You ain't not going to graduate. Because I did everything I was supposed to do. Right, right. I had 23 credit hours. I'm like, the, the standard was, the minimum was 17. Right. And so this person didn't come to my recital. It was a mess. And so um, I wanted to talk to the president of the School of Music. They didn't, they never, they, to this day, I haven't talked to them. Um, so, yeah, so leading, going back a little bit, November that year, 08, I auditioned for uh, Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. And it's like, we were off you a scholarship, uh, a job today if we had it. So they had uh, found something. And that was my first job after undergrad. I played on Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines and Celebrity Cruise Line. Then I came back to St. Louis and I was going to go to SIUE. I got an assistantship, uh, a music theory assistantship. And I was like, they couldn't have possibly looked at my theory grades. And so I'm driving to SIU to turn in the paperwork. And the dean wasn't in his office. I said, do I leave it? Do I keep it? So I kept it. And I'm driving back home. Professor Carter calls me and say, hey, do you want to go to Michigan State? I said, uh, let me think about it. He's like, fool, what is there to think about? It's free. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you didn't say that. <laughs> and so and, um, our first guest artist in 2005 was Professor Rodney Whitaker. Mm-hmm. And so he remembered me. I hadn't seen him from 05 to 09. And um, he called Mr. Carter. He's like, hey, I want Bernard to come to Michigan State. We played phone tag for about a month. He was like, um, then we finally got on the phone. Like, yeah, I found some money for you. Um, just get, just come on up here. So I stayed. With, it was At that time, there was a lot of transferring going on. Kids from NIU was coming to Michigan State for grad school. Michigan State students going to NIU for grad school. Yeah. So I, um, uh, my friend Kevin was there. Um, he was finishing up his first year. I stayed on his couch for a week, and I found housing. And the housing I found the manager was the clarinet professor at Michigan State. Oh, okay. So he he helped me out on my rent, and then I found a church to play at, AME Church, which I grew up in. And um, at the time, my pastor here in St. Louis was uh, my frat brother. The pastor there was frat. And so I ended up, got a, got a church gig and everything. And so it just worked out, um, like, really perfect. Um, I didn't know where I was staying. I had talked to Professor Whitaker one time. I didn't know what I was doing. I got my assignment. I was a grad assistant. Um, I taught private lessons to non-music majors, and I ran the third jazz orchestra, and I was in the top um, top band. And so then, being at Michigan State, they always play at the Detroit Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. And they usually play at the Detroit Jazz Festival with one or two rehearsals. And so we get, I get there. He's like, oh, yeah, we, uh, by the way, we're playing with uh, Mugrew Miller next week. Huh? <laughs> and we had like we had a sound check with him. Yeah. And yeah, it was like it was it was like okay, this is grown up man woman uh, music. Right. This is this is how it happens. You just put it together. And we did a show. We did two shows um, at the Detroit Jazz Festival. It went well. Then my second year, we had Jeff Tang Watts as a guest artist, and I and um yeah, that was that was amazing as well. But yeah, Michigan State was a great. So that's how I got to Michigan State. It wasn't on my it wasn't on my radar. Steelman College wasn't on my radar. It just kind of came up um, after after grad school there. And yeah. then so at um, Michigan State, I had auditioned to play with the Glen Middle Orchestra. I didn't get the gig, and then uh, somebody else had got it. And then they got fired. And then they say you're the next best thing. Are you available? I was like, yeah. So I wasn't doing anything at the time. I think I went out with them in November. I stayed out with them for three months. Um, I kind of resigned a month, a week before we went to Japan. Some personal, some, some personal things I didn't want to, didn't want to uh, deal with. Yeah. I didn't want to be on locked up abroad. 
in Japan. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, that was that was a that was a cool gig. And then the lead saxophone player in that band, um, he went to NIU. He was he was the Professor Carter's first grad assistant um, when Mr. Carter got to NIU. So and I tell my students, I said the music world is this big. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're going to meet everybody you're supposed to be. You're going to be in the circles that you need to be in if you're prepared. If you take her to music, the music will take care of you. Right. So that's that's how I've gotten a lot of opportunities um, to come around. It's the right move. This, definitely, definitely. Run into everyone you need to. And right, I, right. Um, I also, again, this goes back a bit, but I just love the whole thing when you're like, oh, yeah, you all are going to play you need a band. I think it was like when you were at the high school and you're like, the right answer as you gave was, Oh great. Yeah. And then yeah. hang up the phone. Like what the hell am I going to do? Like, right. I mean, I, I, I always made decisions sometimes without thinking. Now I've yeah. gotten older. I kind of think about them, but like the Liberty bowl people, they kept calling it and I put their number in my phones. Do not answer <laughs> my band president, booster president. We're going to the Liberty bowl. This was in November. I said the, it's in December. Oh, we're going. We're gonna. We're gonna figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And we figured it out. So yeah. I'm like, so now I just I do a lot of stuff. We'll figure it out. Yeah. If, if it fails, it fails. But yeah. you know, you gave 110. percent That's right. Um, and 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 I tell people in the entertainment industry, never say no. Right. Never say no. So like, um, I played with St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. I never would thought that would have came across mm-hmm. my palate, and I've done it twice. And at the the last the last one, um, one of the percussions got sick. I had to learn this. Uh, I think it was uh, Remsky. Uh, at the last like forty minutes before the show, I was like, "Oh, I played this in college. No sweat." Yeah. And so I went in there and did, it, and it's like, "You didn't sweat." No, I've played this before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, it really is, and and, and some it would freak some people out. So like. When things don't go, it's like, I'm supposed to go to a school today and do a clinic. I just got a text. They got camp school. Great. I don't have to put any clothes on right now. <laughs> I still got to go to church rehearsal tonight. That has yeah. got canceled. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for that text, but I don't think it's going to happen. So yeah. you just got to, and, and I think being, a, because being a jazz musician, yeah. you can, I've been, I've been to gigs and set up, oh, we don't have the money. Oh, the gig is canceled. What? And I don't freak out. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. I just pack my stuff up. I know not to deal with you anymore. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's it's, the, it's, the follow-up. It's cool. It's, yeah. it's not as... I'm not going to stress out. So the way I handled life after my father passed in 06, mm-hmm. he retired. And him, my mom was going to do all these trips. They were going to buy a new Chrysler 300. Yeah. He had all this money he was going to spend. I save, but I live life to the fullest because you never know if it's going to be your last day or um, he got sick on Memorial Day and we had him on life support for five days. He didn't know he was going to get sick. Yeah. But then before he get the, a couple of hours before he got sick, he ate dinner with my mom and he told her he loved her and the food was just amazing. And that was the, that was his last words. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, and I tell my students, I said, plays play as if even if it's rehearsal plays if it's your last time playing you don't want to leave here regretting something right um i try not to have beef with people if it just just squash it life is too short life life is definitely too short if i'm saying i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it um i'm going to jamaica this year i don't know how i'm gonna pay for it but i'm going (laughs) so yeah so and so you just you got to make those speaking those positive things it'll happen if it's supposed to happen it'll happen I don't even block people. I just ignore them. I mean, I'll speak to you, and I'm always cordial. I don't have beef with anybody, but 
No, you you life is too short. In yeah. and the older you get, your circle kind of does get smaller. Like you said, you gotta be on that same wavelength. You gotta be on the same common goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me about more about the year you were at Steelman. That's a different position than than what you like your other positions, right? Like the day I got called for that, I was in rehearsal for um, Amy's behaving at Stage in St. Louis. Whenever I get calls of stuff. I kind of, I follow up with, I call Professor Sparks, I call Professor Carter, hey, how does this sound? And I would call and do go, hey, what do you think I should do this? Yeah. Um, and and definitely check on my mom first, too. And so Professor Sparks was like, you've never done it before, you should do it. You, I, I, It's like, it's not a lot of money, but I think you're young, you can do it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll check it out. So um, went down there, didn't know what I was walking into, had never heard of Stillman, had never been to Alabama, I don't think. Got there, signed a contract. Oh, by the way, you're not getting paid for 30 days. Huh? <laughs> Been there. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. So I called back home and was like, yeah, I don't know about this. Yeah. So very first day, me and the assistant manager, our, our task was to buy ice for 300 students. With what money? <laughs> what are you saying, bro? So we got smart. We we started going to the cafeteria getting the ice. Like I'm not gonna spend no money getting no ice, and yeah, yeah. I don't know the reimbursement process. So it was it was great. My my task there, um, I did percussion ensemble. I did private lessons. I did a drum line, and it was assistant band director. So um, like okay, this is huge. They didn't know really know what was going on, but um, I took their they had a jazz combo. I took that from just a small jazz combo to a twenty two piece uh, band size. It was a great experience, um, but I did leave there because of the financial. They had some relative financial issues, mm-hmm. and I think three months in, they um, cut my check like short. Just didn't tell us. We just went. To, we got paper checks, and mm-hmm. some other professors like, "Oh, this happens all the time." What? No. First off, you're giving me paying me crumbs, and then you're taking away my crumbs. I, the day that happened, I packed up my office. Some kids were like, you leave? I said, no, I'm moving to another area. I called home. I said, hey, I'm coming home. We're going to do something about this apartment. I'm not staying here. So they they, they, they worked it out, figured it out, and I stayed, only stayed there a year. Um, it was a great learning experience of what I did like and what I didn't like. That was my first time going. I got an infection in my finger. Um, I was getting ready to play Amos Behaving. And like the opening day, I had to have surgery on my finger. Oh I was having um, stress headaches. I had taken all this medicine, couldn't get rid of the headache. Went to the hospital, emergency room, and they said, you have a stress headache. And I have not been back to Alabama. And uh, Teddy Hall, um, yeah, yeah. percussionist, mm-hmm. he said, you're not going to get better until you leave that state. He's from Alabama. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I, <laughs> so He's- I haven't looked back. And um, <laughs> just a lot of positive things started to happen. Like the day I went on tour with Glenn Miller, that current president got fired. Mm. And I had in, another connection. The vice president was from Detroit. He knew Professor Whitaker. Yeah. He sang in the gospel choir and stuff professionally. And I said, if you're going to be the next president, I'll stay. But he didn't know. So um, I got up. But when I left, the HR director left. The headband director left. Another professor left. It was just, it was a toxic environment. And, and it wasn't, everybody wasn't on the same page. They told me we were going to have a Jazz Under the Stars concert. And I hired a musician from the uh, University of Alabama, which is right down the street. Had got cool with those guys, uh, Professor Rob Alley. 
And um, he did a clinic with the band. He did his guest artist. They told me he couldn't. They, they told me they didn't have enough money to pay him. They, but they said he could eat. I said he's not hungry. <laughs> he he doesn't need to eat. And so after the concert, so mind you, if, if the concert is on the stars, do you think the concert is outside or inside? That sounds like an outside concert. It was inside. They hung stars from the cafeteria ceiling. I kid you not. Oh. I said, what is this? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And so it was an inside concert, had soul food, everything. Yeah. Another staff member told me that 22 pieces, we ain't never had that many people. I said, that's why I'm here, because you all been doing it the wrong. wrong. Yeah. And so they had to approve the songs that uh, we wanted to play. I chose Stars Fell on Alabama. They didn't approve that because they didn't like the recording I sent in. And so I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I had to get out of there. <laughs> um, God bless them, and they are in the, moving in the right direction. The, they actually, one of my former students is the head band director there now. Mm-hmm. They it's just, people's mindsets are different. Like, executive members would come to marching band rehearsals and question, why does this drum sound like that? Why is this not like that? And wait, I wait, simply, wait, wait, what do you mean executive members? Uh, head like person in charge. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I said, okay, well. Admin was coming to your practices to talk about your drum choices? Yes, yes. And the thing was, there were old drum heads. I didn't know this. They would get University of Alabama drum heads from their previous season. I said, that doesn't make sense. Right. Which are and so they're. they're it, Worn out, <laughs> <laughs> right? So eventually, they just said, "Well, if you need some," t- so I, so we got, I, got, I was able to get to some new equipment. I'm like, "This is how you do it. You don't get hand me down stuff. This, right. <laughs> yeah, especially if you can afford it." I'm like, right. "No." So yeah, so I, I got out of there, and um, it was a, it was a great, it was, a, it was a good run. Yeah. It was just, it was, Alabama was kind of too slow for me. By the time we got out of marching band. Mm-hmm. Um, city was closed, or trying to get to Birmingham, things 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 were closed. Um, but yeah, I had positive and negative experiences there. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm glad to be out. <laughs> glad to learn what I learned. I made some made some positive connections there, though. Definitely, you jogged some things in my brain too about my own experiences. But right, the, the point of no, the person isn't hungry. <laughs> like no, make, they take this gig because they need. And it was only two hundred dollars. It was only two hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> you treat other people how you want to be treated. Right. I wouldn't expect University of Alabama. I wouldn't expect any university to tell me to come do a workshop and play for the kids, and we're gonna feed you. I'm not hungry. <laughs> or I didn't agree. That wasn't right. That wasn't an agreement. Yeah, that wasn't. And, and he pro- and he would have did it for free. Right. But he wanted to give me the money back. I was like, no, no, we we're not doing that. You, I hired you to be a professional. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. And so they had, like, I've never heard of guest artists with me. I say, well, that's what, that's what we do in the real world. This is the real world, right? <laughs> we're in the real world, correct? Well, it turns out, Bernard, maybe not the real world. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're the Steelman world. <laughs> and, well, and you're right about the mindset. Like, like if I would bet that like the people who had been there a long time, like this is – what you're telling me is the tip of the ice, like is nothing like is nothing compared to probably what they had seen over the years prior. Right. To- right. And I had never heard of not doing direct deposit. There was one person that could pass out the checks. If they were not there that day, you wouldn't get paid until Monday. Then the banks closed on early on Friday. They're not open on the weekend. So you got to get your check rush. They're going to handle your business. Right. 
And you know, I know once or twice the person that passed him out, she was out of town or at a funeral. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Where's my money? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, you made the right move. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I finish up with this segment called Random Ask Questions. Okay, okay. All right. So <clears throat> first question is, what's an issue in percussion education, percussion performance, that most gets under your skin or drives you the most nuts? Equity and access to uh, for all, for all populations. Quality a- and access to it. Um, we, we say it's there. I tell my students about different uh, camps and different opportunities, but sometimes they don't have the financial means. Sometimes they don't have the equipment. Sometimes they were introduced to it too late. Like my seniors, I wish they had access to it their freshman year. Really not their fault. Right. Um, but... We can we can do more as percussionists to if they can't come to Pacey, bring Pacey to them. Um, you you know if it, if it's just virtually or if it's just a um, small a, a small showing at a, in in an urban community or a rural community. I mean, at this point, like you clearly know enough people that you can just have a, a week like a, a Saturday day of right right you know, Madison right. percussion and just have like yeah. that would be like a day of percussion. You know, right, 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 and that's and that that's in the works. That's in the works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a great great idea. Um, just uh, every school should do. Should uh huh. Um, all right. Next question. Take this wherever you want to go. Being a percussionist who's also African American. Um, being a percussionist is an African American. Being an African American, period. I've always been told you have to practice and work twice as hard as the next man or next lady. When I go to performances, I make sure I have multiple copies of my music. I make sure I'm on time. I make sure I have clothes, the backup clothes. Um, just it's just a mindset. You gotta do. You gotta work twice as hard. Even though after you get the gig, you gotta you gotta keep the gig. Um, so always be always being on your p's and q's. Always being a sponge to learn. When I go to conferences. Not getting super lit or drunk, um, just because they do it, you won't see nothing about it. Oh, Bernard, that Zildjian artist was—he was—he was naked in the street, and I wasn't even there. <laughs> people will people will take things out of proportion, um, not just for being percussion, but just for being black. Uh, people will will discriminate against. People will hate on you. People will create lies on you. Sad we're still dealing with that in 2022, but it is what it is. My skin will always be black and proud of it. That, so other questions, not not a not a serious or as a, not even percussion related, but okay. Uh, has anyone ever nailed an impression of you? And if so, how'd they do it? <laughs> Students do it. Um, have, have done it before. When I'm talking or texting, yeah, yeah. Or sitting, I'm, I stand with my legs wide open and. <laughs> Look, this y'all miss this. Why do you do that? I, was like, I don't know. I don't want to fall. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, my students mimic that a lot. Um, another thing, um, not really related to me, but my father, as I say, he was a principal. Mm-hmm. His secretary would always say, "Mr. Long Telephone." So little kids and former students coming to me, "Mr. Long Telephone." I had a classmate did it the other day. "Mr. Long Telephone." I was like, and I don't have a secretary, so. 
uh, that has never happened to me in real no. like that. But yeah, but people do that as well. <laughs> but yeah, and and I've had people, students, if I've flipped out about something, they remember you, Mr. Long, and then they react it. <laughs> or, for, sometimes, yeah, yeah. Sometimes for twin for Twins Day, I've dressed, students have dressed up like me as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's that's yeah. what you want. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then they'll they'll add things that you definitely did. Yeah, add. Then they, I become, got it. then they become part of the story that that gets passed down. Right, <laughs> right, right. I didn't right. say that. I didn't. You exaggerate a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you just like fine. That's 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 the story. Now. Right. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Student says she got hit by the car and. Still to this day, there's no evidence that she got hit by the car. <laughs> because I, I I went up there to the gas station. We talked to the police. We couldn't find this car. And then the following week, the parents came to school. Our office had windows. Yeah. And so all these, my band students were standing outside the uh, office, free Mr. Long, free Mr. Long, <laughs> with posters and stuff. And still to this day, I don't think the kid got hit by the car. I told the kid to stay at school. And... She said she got hit by the car, rolled over the car, and we ain't found the car. <laughs> Nothing. We ain't, we ain't see no marks on her. <laughs> yeah, oh like, I don't think she got hit. And I don't, I don't, I don't remember if the cameras at the gas station worked at the time, but I don't think she got hit by a car. <laughs> but she's still walking and talking. Right. <laughs> The signs. They yeah, the signs. I'm like, what did y'all? I was in there that long? Did y'all have time to make signs? Free my homie. Free Mr. Long. <laughs> that was a very Oh, my God. That's the best. Uh, <laughs> other questions. What is, a, what is a great movie and what is a terrible movie? A great movie is drumline number one. A terrible movie is drumline number two. And any others after that. <laughs> <laughs> I, Kids, I saw Drumline. Which one? The original? No, I no, no, that's trash. No, I I have. So my story on this is that um, you know, like the the students literally at Lincoln could recite the first Drumline, and yeah, and, and the second one, and so like it would show up on on bus trips and and that kind of thing, right? And um, when the second one came out, I didn't watch it. I was waiting. Like, I, and, right. and like literally everyone was like, do not watch. No. <laughs> and no. I still have never seen it, but it was good. Really no. like, and don't watch whiplash either. People ask you like whiplash. No, I don't like whiplash. That's not real life. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Whiplash was a little different story, but yes. I, uh, yeah. I, I do. I, I, for sure, yeah, that's definitely right, not, right. Not what not what is happening, but yeah. So <laughs> I, I <laughs> and I, I knew, I knew, I know all of Drumline too because it came out when we, I was in high school, uh-huh. and me and my friends we skipped school to go see it, oh, and I have uh, um, I tape recorded the cadences. <laughs> you said stuff about being an English major, or you were like that was English a minor, yeah, English minor. So, what is a favorite book? I'm currently reading Atomic Habits. Um, oh, yeah. Recommended. Uh, uh, saw one of Sean Jones' posts, trumpet player, and it kind of started reading that. Uh, favorite book of mine. Um, I'm gonna have to say the Bible, man. I, uh, I that's 
I live by it, and um, it, it, it has helped me in a lot of situations. Um, so that's that's what I'm gonna go with. Anything in Psalms? I I, I read a lot of Psalms. Yeah, a lot of stuff in Psalms, and that, kind of the music relation there as well. But yeah, a lot of Psalms. Do you have a uh, sports fandom? Steph Curry or Magic Johnson? I've uh, Magic Johnson. I met him. He's come to Michigan State all the time. Oh, sure. And so. Yeah. Met him in Michigan State, then saw him at a Lakers game in L.A., and he remembered me. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, it's like, are you old enough to have seen Magic play? or play? Um, Just not, not, I mean, not a whole bunch like that. Um, but that would be my first professional basketball player that I met in person. Mm. And just um, his, his brand and the things that he owns. So he would come talk to the Black Student Union all the time. Yeah. And just cool guy, no security. Yeah, he yeah. would come to our concerts. Um, my professor, um, uh, Professor Gillis- Gillespie, uh, Randy Gillespie at Michigan State, he used to babysit Magic Johnson and his siblings. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I think that in order to be from Michigan, you got to have a big family. Uh, my professor has, between his first wife and just adopted kids, he has 14 kids, and you know it's a lot um, of on Magic Johnson's side. And Rodney Whitaker has 10 kids, I think. Yeah, it's 9 or 10. Um, so having big families like that, it takes a community and village to pyramid all of those people. So the um, Johnsons used to go to my professor's house and eat dinner on Sundays and stuff mm. like that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. But if I had a musician fan, it would be Stevie Wonder. That's I've yeah. met him before, too. Yeah. Oh, he, that's the best. Yeah, he was. He's just nice, nice person. I met him at Indigo Chancellor's funeral. He just stood around and talked to all of his uh, former students for like two hours. Um, yeah, it was. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, I'm talking to Stevie Wonder," and just giving life token, stay in school and and keep pushing music forward and doing the, doing the right thing. Really nice person. Yeah, uh. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, the person I was dating at the time said Stevie Wonder's performing. I said, "No, he's not." Because I went to the bathroom, we was reading the obituary, and had his real name on there. He came and sat one row in front of me, like, over. He had one bodyguard. They pulled up in two Tesla trucks. And I heard the band practicing Stevie Wonder. Yeah, yeah. And he got up there, and he played, he played as, and he played another song. And um, just stayed and talked to everybody afterwards. And I saw him in Chicago for my birthday, and I saw him in St. Louis. I took my whole family, and I bought three student tickets. I was like, you got to go see Stevie Wonder. And then in St. Louis, I happened to be at TGI Fridays the day before, and his band came in there to eat. And so I met Stanley Randolph, uh, his drummer, a couple of guys then, yeah. When did you see him? Um, so I met Stevie Wonder in L.A. in 17 or 18, and I saw him in St. Louis, I think, no, it would have been uh, November 17. And then he came to St. Louis like January, February 18. Okay. And then I saw him in L.A. in March of 18. We caught the um, – in Chicago, we actually went to Chicago to see the um, uh, Songs in the Key of Life tour. I was there. I was there, I was there at that one. Yeah. In Chicago? Uh, yeah, I went to – yeah, so I saw him in Chicago and St. Louis. Yep. I okay. drove up there for that for, uh, for my birthday. It was around November. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I was there. <laughs> oh my god! Like, uh, there's a video. 
some my I, it's some it's on either some phone or some computer uh-huh. of um because the the Chicago concert was when it was unexplained because I had read like what the set list was and I right. saw that he would do the whole album and then he kind of I didn't know I didn't know it was gonna be three hours right. I had no clue right right so, <laughs> so what I what I read is that every other gig he had done the whole concert and then he comes out and does superstition and that's it and I was like oh okay and I and I was like it'll be amazing like it'll be life, right. like it'll be a great moment and then he comes out and he does this like. Uh, he, he calls himself like DJ Tick Tick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all of a sudden they start pulling, and then he d- goes into Sign Sealed Delivered, which is like maybe my favorite song of all time. Okay, and okay. I am like scream singing. Like I me cannot, too. <laughs> I cannot take it. Like uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Because it was because again because I knew I didn't like he like I'm pretty sure that that was the first time that he had not just done the one uh-huh. encore. That he had actually pulled out some older stuff, like other right. stuff in that that time. And, and I, then what I, I liked what he did too, he would bring out like India Ari was there. Oh, then yeah. when he was in St. Louis, Nelly came out on stage with him too. Yeah, yeah. So he get the local people. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just yeah, that's like that like that's so high on like the greatest moments of just well, that's I mean, still the that, that's still the best concert I've ever been to in my life. Yeah. Well, it's you know, <laughs> all it took. You know how like when there's like a when like someone starts a con- like the opening thing and you're just like this is where I need to be and they right. jump right into the opening of um, Love and Need of Love today that yeah with the uh, acapella right you're just like that thing filled up the entire arena and you're like yeah I'm, I'm where I need to be right now <laughs> yeah and at the St Louis concert I had his album and yeah. he didn't sign it but his some of the band members signed it um, yeah I have the actual record oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, that was, woo, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's the best. I that's yeah. Oh, so good. And then just to know that he's not an asshole and he was just cool. Right. Um, was because I know he met people in St. Louis, but you haven't had to have VIP thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, his his old sound engineer, his sound original sound engineer. Went to high school with Marvin Sparks, and so mm. I was like, "Do you think you can give me backstage?" Like, no, he's not talking to anybody because I knew I met him um, through Marvin Sparks. So oh I, yeah, oh, he's not talking to anybody. It's like, okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, that, that's awesome. All right, uh, other questions. Where is somewhere that you have not traveled to that you still want to get to? I want to go to Brazil. Um, check out the music. Check out the food and the culture. Um, I'm going to get there one day. Um, I almost went in college. Um, Professor Chapway hired me for a gig. Mm-hmm. And that was in 06, 05. It's when I got my first passport. Mm-hmm. And the gig fell through. I was pissed. I, it, I was like, it would have been with him, Liam Teague. I think Orlando Okoto was on that. Um, but, yeah, it fell through. I was like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Brazil is the place I got to get to. The furthest place I've been is uh, Athens, Greece. I played with the St. Louis Police Choir there. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it was that was amazing. I've not been to Greece, but I've just heard everyone's just been like, "It's you won't believe how beautiful." Mm-hmm. It's, it's, oh yeah, yeah, it, it was it was beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Biggest kitchen mess up. So I I, I started cook, cooking with breakfast food, okay. and I guess I was in maybe the. Eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade, mm. and I'm cooking some uh, pancakes, I think. And it was an electric stove, 
mm-hmm. and linoleum mon- floor. I got to set the scene up, uh-huh. and so I got I poured too much grease in the um, in the pan. Yeah. So now I got this grease fire <laughs> on the stove, and I think I was home alone, and I go to the faucet, and I start dousing water, which is just adding. F- for the fire. Yeah. So I get the skillet off the stove and throw it on the ground and now we're burning the floor, the linoleum floor. <laughs> and and my dad's like, oh, don't put water on it. I was like, so that's the biggest grease everywhere, permanent burnt marks on the floor. <laughs> so yeah, that's my biggest uh, thing. <laughs> Great. It's like now you tell me. <laughs> right, now you tell me. Don't put water. And now I have to work on a cruise ship. I know how to put out every fire <laughs> there is. What color to use, powder. That's another thing. They don't tell you musicians before you go on a cruise ship. You gotta go to 40 trainings before you play downbeat. <laughs> just about just uh, like safety and kind of stuff. Oh yeah, safety is number one. And then you get a safety number depending on your number, how important you are. I always said I would say it myself first. I right, right, Because yeah. it's like, you have to serve the customers first. You have to go to your life, know how to drop the life rafts, yeah. know how to drop the boat. Um, no difference. It's a whole bunch of different doors, water doors, electrical doors. Yeah. And I had like a, a rude person at HR. If you were two minutes late, they wouldn't let you in. You got to wait for the next day for that training or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know how to put out every kind of fire <laughs> now. The red, the fire scene, the silver, the white, the blue, yeah. the cherry red, the orange one. <laughs> pull this string, pull yeah. <laughs> Safety first. Yeah. <laughs> what is something that if you run into someone and that you've never met and they say, Oh, I like like whatever that is, and then and whatever they say, you're like, we're good. Music is a big part of my life, but I like other things like horseback riding. I love horseback riding. So if I met somebody and said, hey, I got a horse outside you can ride or have, yeah. cool, we're cool. We're <laughs> All right, cool, thank you. So my, my father always took us to the Kentucky Derby. Ooh, um, yeah. So I uh, met a lot of jockeys, and I actually started – I took horseback riding in, in NIU okay. my last year. And I was like, I wish I could have known I could have taken this class. I would have taken it all six years. So yeah, yeah. when the class was actually over, I actually continued to go work for the lady. Oh. Um, and she had 77 horses and just to know like their diets, mm-hmm. um, how to brush a horse, how to clean their feet. Some can only eat vinegar. Some can only eat soft grains, hard grains. So then in high school, I worked for a lady, um, in St. Louis, uh, she had a pony. So I would go to her house on the weekends and do pony rides for her company. So I've always liked, uh, liked horses. Oh, that's great. Do you watch, I'm curious, do you watch like triple crown when it comes around? I watch I watch the Kentucky Derby. I watch I, that's the only thing I bet on. I bet in memory of my father because he really knew how to do it. Like he would hit big. Oh, and if yeah. he couldn't go to the Derby, yeah, yeah. he was in his brothers with his money. And you better bring me every penny I won back. <laughs> um, so yeah, we would wait. We would go to the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. We would go to the very first race. We would after the Kentucky Derby race is over. We at the very last race, the infield. Mm-hmm. I've seen some interesting stuff at the Kentucky Derby, and I haven't been as an adult. Because mm-hmm. there's always a graduation happening on that weekend or something. Yeah. Uh, I got to do something. Um, but yeah, I watch all of that stuff. So the triple. But I, I go to horseback. Uh, I go to bull riding. I go to 
um, buck buck riding, all of that stuff. Yeah, and it, it's funny that the first derbies mm-hmm. jockey was black. The first uh, cowboy was black. So um, that that's that's part that's part that's part of my my history and culture. But yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. My dad had a couple of teachers that owned horses um, in St. Louis. Oh, fantastic! Have you have you ridden other stuff like any of the 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 more? No, I haven't. No, the, the furthest I've done just galloped on a horse. No, yeah. that's that's about it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to to trying it or doing it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But you you know, it turns out you need your limbs for your right body. other things. Yes, <laughs> right, exactly, 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 yeah. exactly. You don't want to have to have that conversation with uh it's right, because like, um, uh, a two thousand pound bull fell on my leg. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I only had one experience. Um, I think my horse name was Bucko or something, but um, he was a little little feisty. He got feisty one day. He's like, well, "You can't ride today." I was like, "That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I want to get thrown off." Because <laughs> I probably kick him when I get up. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> awesome. All right, couple more. Um, uh huh. Is Strangest, funniest, or most bizarre performance moment that involves you? This was in a rehearsal at okay, a professor. Uh, sure. Okay, I was soloing my eyes closed, and I thought I was killing it. And I opened my eyes, and the professor was just standing there looking at me. And he says, "You look, you solo sound just the way you look. Ugly. Go practice." <laughs> I won't say the person's name, but I went and practiced. <laughs> I thought I was killing it. I thought yeah, I was yeah. killing it. <laughs> Wait, so so was uh I think I need a little more context. So was it like like it, there was a the the band had cut off and you were soloing or Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It was yeah, the band had cut off and I think I think it was supposed to be an open drum solo. Okay. And so um, so they're just waiting for you to give the cue, basically, to come back further. Right. To come back in. And we never got back to the come back in. <laughs> just like stop. We, yeah, just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> yeah, just stop. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine like you're just like you're just like ripping around and then like you slowly open your eyes and you're like. Right. Like slow down, like. Bing. Right, right. <laughs> and that's what I learned. Don't play everything you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. KIS, keep it su- simple, stupid, or stupid simple. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a one piece of art, music, could be music, movies, books, podcasts, YouTube clips, theater, visual art, poetry, anything, has impacted you the most recently? The artist that has done the... um. Michelle Obama and Barack Obama uh, paintings. I can't think of it. Kara. Uh, no, no, no. Um, I know what you're talking about. Oh, K- Candy Wally. Yeah, yeah. Candy Wally. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. I, I like I like I really just, I like the background. Um, I like I like art. I can't write in a straight line, but I like art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so but I like so, art. So Wiley the, did Obama uh, found it, and I and the. Michelle Obama's was Amy Sherald or Cheryl. Okay, okay, yeah. So yeah, so because he has some art, he still has some pieces at um, St. Louis Art Museum right now. Uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. I, I did, I get, I did get to see those. Those, are, they're huge. If I'm yeah, not. they are. They yeah. are very, very, very huge. 
Yeah. yeah. All right, Bernard, we are done. Thank you, man. It was great. It was great. It was great. I, if I need to redo anything, let me know. No, I, I think we're good. But yeah, no, I I had a blast. This was okay. A, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I tell the students at at Mizzou here. I'm like any like I just kind of make sure that they're that they're aware of that they need to they just need to listen to more Stevie Wonder and just like and we'll talk later. Like seriously, oh, yeah. like, like just start with his '70s albums and like you're not gonna have to leave because they're incredible. And and then you'll understand like more about me, basically. And, and yeah, and then, I mean, and no matter what genre of music you listen to, somebody is quoted Stevie Wonder. Yes, in some in some shape, form, or fashion. He's a he's a genius. He's a genius. Yeah. Last week we were watching um, his document, the Songs of Key of Life documentary with my oh. junior high kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and usually I've never met a student that like say I don't like that music or I had right. never ever heard of him. Yeah, so I, I, I play a lot of Stevie Wonder in, in marching band. Um, uh, I know we did it for Annie Malone Parade uh, one time. Sign said delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, higher ground. I got, yeah, higher yeah, higher ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. It's a very bandy. It's, it's a good. Yeah, band. it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. Someone did an arrangement for us, and it had because we did a Stevie Wonder show a couple years ago, and it was okay. What we did, it was like with Sir Dukes, because uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. um from, my dog is named my other dog is named Sir Duke. Actually. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. Excellent. And but then we did, and it was funny because I, I noticed I heard this in when we were I didn't see it in the score, and it's not it wasn't mentioned, but whoever did the thing we were doing, we got to the point that went to um superstition. Uh-huh. And then in within superstition, there's a quote from you haven't done nothing. Right, right. And it was, but I was like, wh- and, and it hit me like, wait, he, like, they quoted who haven't done nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. And of course, that's one of, that's like a, that's a deeper cut. Right. But if you know right, it, it's right. amazing. <laughs> Definitely. And there's some, there's still some Stevie that I'd like, oh, he did that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know this song. Yeah. I mean, when I go, when I'm getting ready for a performance or something big, yeah, I just go to songs of the key of life. If yeah. I get nervous about something, I just go to that. It's gonna be everything's gonna be all right. <laughs> right. What a total blast getting to chat with Bernard for this interview. I definitely look forward to keeping up with him and his career going forward, and I look forward to when we can for sure meet up in person knowingly. And I hope that is very soon. This week's rave is the 2022 film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, starring Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Hsu, Kihi Kwan, James Hong, and Jamie Lee Curtis, and directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, also known as The Daniels. In the midst of all of the concerts, I was able to get out to our local art house theater to catch this well-reviewed, truly insane movie. And that was true. It's both well-regarded and it's, it's insane. The film stars Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn Wong, a laundromat owner somewhere in the U.S., living alongside her husband, played by Kwan, her daughter, played by Shu, her father, played by James Hong. The family is dealing with a possible foreclosure on their laundromat by the IRS, and that IRS rep is played by Jamie Lee Curtis. And in the midst of all this, 
It's revealed to Yo by a version of her husband, still played by Quan, that she is needed to save the multiverse. I told you it was insane. From there, the story goes bonkers, with folks becoming movie stars, martial artists, designers, having separate lives with separate identities. It really makes no sense to go too much further into describing this, aside from just telling you to go watch it. But what makes it worth seeing? Well, a few points. I mean, one, it's your typical action superhero comedy drama sci-fi film led by Asian-American actors. You know, all those things. Two, it's a total showcase for Michelle Yeoh. She's best known for her martial arts work in movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and for being an ant in that film and Crazy Rich Asians. But here, she gets to play as an immigrant Asian woman in the film, the lead, the romantic lead, the love interest, and actually gets to show her acting range. It's an amazing performance. Three, it's also great to see Kihi Kwan back in films. Kwan was best known for his roles in the 1980s as a child actor in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and The Goonies, but essentially left acting soon after that due to the lack of decent roles for Asian folks. He's incredible as a doting sidekick husband who also turns out to be a martial arts master, taking out a number of security guards in one of the most insane and hilarious fight sequences you'll ever see. And four, the rest of the principals, particularly Stephanie Hsu, are amazing. And also, there's a multiverse with hot dog fingers. I mean, does that get you to see the film? In any case, it's a tremendously fun picture that is perfect for seeing in the theater with a lot of other folks. So if it's still around for you, go see it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Now playing. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a comment and a rating. The show is also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at petesperkpod at gmail.com. And you can find every episode and the show notes at the homepage, which is at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. I'll catch you next time. Until then.